Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Episode 328, what to do when you feel broke with a six-figure income. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My name is Jill. And today we have a listener request about what to do if basically, if you feel broke, but you're making a really solid income. Uh, so most two income households will break into six figures, but that does not mean that you're going to feel like you're rolling in it. Even though it sounds really nice to be having a six figure income, sometimes a lot of people are living on that six figure income. Uh, and so that's what this episode is all about. Mm. And talking about why you might feel broke. I mean, some people probably heard this title and were like, come on, please. But yeah, why why someone might feel this way and then what to do about it. And probably some vulnerability all throughout. But first, mm-hmm. this episode is brought to you by The Middle. Unfortunately, not the radical middle. That's a very cool, hip place. No, no, no. Today's sponsor is just the middle. Kind of like monkey in the middle, which is more about people laughing at you and less about actually getting the ball they're all keeping away from you. Although the middle is, isn't always so bad because hot dogs are in the middle, right oh in the gosh. middle of two buns. And that's a really great thing. And if you feel in the middle, on the fence, in between, we see you and we've got the solution for you. It's called the friend letter. It's not too hot, not too cold, but just right. It's free and full of free stuff and great ideas. Frugalfriendspodcast.com slash friend letter. Get it in your inbox in the middle of the week and sandwiched on Monday and Friday. (laughs) The middle. Sometimes it's really great. Sometimes it's not. But you're never alone there. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I said so much. Thank you to the middle. Mm -hmm. You did. Yes. And I mean, also, this is brought to you by the middle class because... That is who we are speaking to today. So if you feel yourself firmly in middle-class living, then this one is for you. And hopefully that's where you feel. The middle class is shrinking. That is a statistical fact, uh, not an opinion. So it may be harder and harder to find yourself there, but still most people are middle income earners. Uh, And that's going to be in the mid six figures if you are in a two income household. If you are in a single income household, you may not have a six figure income. But I would implore you to keep listening anyway, because there's a lot of practical tips and mindset shifts that you could still be making uh, for when you do get to six figures, because you will. I believe in you. Yes. And if you want more on this topic, before we even get into this episode, we got other episodes. You know us. We've been here for a while. We got episode 244, which is how to improve your money mindset. We are going to talk about that here because I think this has a lot to do with feelings of being broke, maybe not even just circumstances of being broke. So 
if you want to dig in more on mindset, that's a great one to queue up. And then we've also got episode 256, using gratitude journaling to help you spend less because spoiler alert, gratitude and spending less can also be some of the cures, some of the antidote to when mm-hmm. we feel like we don't have enough. But first, let's get into this episode. And there are a couple of notes that I want to say too, as we start to queue up this first article, is that we don't mean for this title to be offensive. I think six figures can sound like a lot, but there is a reality. Again, this is a listener requested episode where we might be earning six figures and still feeling like it's not enough. So we want to address that while also recognizing that there are people living on way less than this who are actually maybe at the poverty line, not just having and experiencing feelings of being broke. So recognize certainly where you're at as you're coming to this episode and also hear us out on some of the mindset behind this, what might lead a person to feel this way, circumstances as well as emotions that go into this not meaning to be offensive with this topic, but also recognizing like when I read, Jen, that we were going to be doing this episode, it definitely did hit home a bit because I have found myself more and more considering this reality. Like it feels as though we make enough, but why does it seem sometimes like it's not enough? Again, let's jump into this article because I think it kind of explains some of this. But one of the things I've realized for myself is I don't think six figures means the same thing. Thing that it meant 10 years ago, potentially mm-hmm. even five years ago. I mean, I remember 10 years ago thinking, man, if we could just make even a combined $60,000, like we would be set. And now it feels like, you know, the low six figures for a household, especially a household with children, it's like, depending on where you live, this is what you need to make in order to like meet your bills and be able to have any sort of fun. But expectations do play into this. Um, So the first article does come from Doe Roller, which which is how to make a six-figure salary and still be broke. I like this play on the like how to. It's kind of like following Jen on Instagram, like follow me for more tips on. (laughs) And they're always super funny and um, backwards. Yes. What did you think of the article, Jen? Okay. So yes, this is, we're going to go through all of these because they are all relevant. And they're all things that you should be paying attention to. Even if you don't make six figures yet, when you do, these are going to be the things that steal away that average income. The, I, Because let's just put it into perspective. The median American worker per person brings in uh, just over $54,000 a year. So again, if it's just you, you may not be in six figures yet. But if it's two people, if it's dual income, then, then you're there. And this episode is for you. But so, yeah, these are definitely all the things that I would have included on this list. So I agree with with Doe Roller yeah. and the author. So, so the first kick one, us off, Jill. The first one is living in the wrong place. I don't know if I would have titled it exactly or subtitled it that, but essentially talking about how much it is for, let's say, a six-figure household income for a family of four, living in a U.S. city like San Francisco, that low six figures would qualify you as low income earning just because of the high cost of living in that area. San Francisco is not the only place where that's the reality. I think really a lot of coastal cities, both on the East Coast and the West Coast and your larger cities, are going to be higher cost of living areas. And then again, as we've mentioned, depending on how many people are trying to live off of that income coming into the household can really steal away from what can feel like a large amount of money. So the city that you live in could be a contributing factor to what makes you feel like, where is all of my money go? They reference how $80,000 in a Midwestern city could stretch way further than $100,000 in certain coastal cities. So just where you live plays a factor into how much money you feel you have or even that you actually have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
you don't always get to pick where you live, but something you do get to pick is what you live in. And the second one is being house poor. So I think, and we'll talk about lifestyle inflation. It's on the list, but this kind of ties into that. When we increase our incomes early on in life, we automatically increase our way of living because there's nothing much else to put that you need to put money towards. Um, If you're investing for retirement, before you have kids or a spouse, it's just you. And so if you get a raise, then you're putting money into you versus later on in life when we've got uh, you know, mortgages, cars, spouse, kids, all these responsibilities. If you get a raise, that money's already tied up. You know where to put it. So one of these first big ways that we tie up our money and tie up our raises before we get them are in the house that we buy. So the um, the article says, and math says, if you're making 100,000 years on the nose, that's about $8,333 per month, which sounds fantastic. Uh, so you could get an FHA loan with a monthly mortgage payment of about $2,500 a month. Um, and that would leave you with over, with about $5,700 for other expenses. And it also says, remember that 31%, that's uh, 31% mortgage rate, which is normally what the, um, what the loan provider is going to recommend that you stay on about 30% of your income. So $2,500 a month, but that's based on your gross income, not your net take home or how much like all of your other expenses are going to be. They'll they'll take into account your debt, but not what you're going to spend in the future with future lifestyle inflation. So um, after net, that leaves you with about $3,489 per month after your maximum mortgage. And people will look at this maximum this mortgage, like thinking, okay, whatever I can get approved for, A, because houses are so stinking expensive, um, like now more than ever, but also because you can anticipate making more money. But that really ties up your money before you've made it uh, and can make you house poor. Uh, So I would say don't get at the top of what you're approved for. And if you're already at the top, then it's not too late to go back. I was just watching um, Ramit's show on Netflix, the new... um, I was just going to reference that too. Yes. Okay. So if you haven't watched it, it is phenomenal. Absolutely go watch on Netflix. It's it's Ramit Sethi's, I think, How to Be Rich, I think is the name of it. And one of his, uh, the girls on the show, she buys this condo because it's what's expected of you. Like, as a young woman, she wants to be financially independent. And for her, uh, buying a condo is... It's like a soul decision, which is not bad. It's not a bad way to make a money decision. Like if it's if it's a heart decision over a math decision, that's not bad. But girl did not realize all the extra expenses that come with the house and the taxes, insurance, uh, all of the repairs, the condo association. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So HOA or condo Condo. association Mm -hmm. is so so expensive if you're not anticipating it. Sometimes they can be like 50 bucks a month, but a lot of the times for condos, especially they're uh, outrageous. And she literally could not afford to fix her hot water heater. So for six months, she was shower- like taking cold showers because mm-hmm. she couldn't afford it. And yeah. that's not the dream. That's not the status. That's not what you're looking for. She was extremely house poor. Mm-hmm. So she, yeah, I won't, spoil the uh what she decides Mm -hmm. to do but that is a way that we can really get into this mess well i appreciated the standard that he gave i don't i've not really heard this from other people you you hear this you don't want to spend more than 25 to 30 percent of your income on your housing expenses generally yeah the mortgage you're going to be probably approved for a loan at about 30 percent of your gross income jen you've already talked about why that's not a great thing to base it off of because you don't actually bring home your gross income 
So then what he was also saying was not just your mortgage, but consider all of the other expenses having to do with your house. What is your utility bill going to be, your electric bill, and even the amount of money that you want to be setting aside monthly for your house to anticipate big or small repairs. And so all of that collectively combined shouldn't be more than 30% of your of your take home income. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, he he does say gross income, but still that's definitely a much more conservative approach and conservative number, which I found really helpful because I don't think a lot of people are considering what else you're going to have to pay for beyond just the mortgage that can really bring down what that number actually is and what you can feel comfortable affording so that you don't become house poor. The next one on here is lifestyle inflation, which I know you've already referenced, Jen, but this, this happens. Oh, I've experienced it myself of as we earn more that our expenses, even discretionary, kind of rise to meet that level of, well, now I've, uh, now I'm earning this much. So why can't I do XYZ daily, weekly, monthly? I mean, this could be right down to I'm getting takeout every other day. I am going out to coffee every day. I'm saying yes to as many vacations as possible. I'm, you name it. It could even be the, the type of car that you're now choosing to drive the house that you chose to buy because of this increase in wages that you're receiving, which is excellent. But if we don't keep our discretionary spending in check or even our large spending decisions in check, this could lead us to feel as though we don't have a lot of money, even though we are maybe living very much in the middle class, having enough to pay our bills, go on at least one vacation a year. And yet, depending on the other decisions we're making with our lifestyle, that's what can eat into feeling as though, man, where did it all go? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say that this is probably the most the most important one, but it's also the hardest one to peel back, yeah. right? Like if you're house poor, you know the solution to that problem is to either make more money or downsize. But that's a very hard decision. Like that's a very hard move to make. Lifestyle inflation is a ton of micro moves that you have made to increase your expenses. And it's easy to take off these micro moves, but you have to peel back so many of them and it becomes so convoluted between like, Mm -hmm. yes, your lifestyle should inflate as you age. Like I no longer go to concerts where I have to stand. I will only go to a concert if I can sit. That's because my knees and my hips are not as good as they were in my early 20s. So yes, to a sense like your lifestyle should inflate, but where is the line? is the hard part. So this is like a, it's going to take a lot longer to reverse lifestyle inflation. And it is a lifelong journey to figure out at what point like is the right amount of lifestyle inflation, because it's not a bad thing. Your expenses should get higher as you earn more money, as you get older. I saw an article of a survey about uh, purchasing luxury brands and how each it I don't know what the point of it was, but essentially each age group, like from Gen Z to millennials to X to boomers, the higher it gets, the more people spend on luxury goods. And like, A, duh, the, the <laughs> older you get, the more money you have to spend on luxury goods. B, you're tired of throwing away cheap crap. So you're looking for more long lasting things. So you don't have to buy as much. Like, I don't know what they were trying to get the point across to be, but that's not a bad thing. Like, I don't know if they were trying to say it was a bad thing. Like, oh, millennials are spending so much money on luxury goods, but it's not a bad thing. We just need to figure out where that line is to be where you should say yes and where you should say no because it is so much harder to peel back all those micro decisions than it is to just have a line in the sand right off the bat. 
It sounds a lot like understanding values-based spending could really help Doesn't with lifestyle it? inflation. Yeah. Just Doesn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, so the next one is not saving for emergencies. And I think this I think this is the one that's going to hit people the hardest. I know lifestyle inflation is probably the the probably the most well-known and the probably the one everyone expected us to talk about the most, but I would say for most families, it is very easy to live paycheck to paycheck until an emergency comes. Whether that emergency is your dog needs surgery, you have car troubles, uh, you have you lose your job. If you are living paycheck to paycheck, if your lifestyle has inflated to that, this is what's going to throw you over the edge. This is what's going to put you into credit card debt and get you feeling broke like you can't get out of a hole. Uh, so whatever it is that you're doing, stopping and making sure you have an emergency fund of at least $2,000, you get to pick what makes you feel safe. If if you feel safe living with $0 in an emergency fund, let's start with 2000 but if that doesn't make you feel <laughs> you safe feel enough, safe, you can not definitely safe. have more. Right. So that, I think, is the first. If we're, if we're talking about steps to take to not feel broke with a six-figure income, this is step one. I think this should be, that should have been mm-hmm. number one. Uh, it's just not the sexiest answer. Yeah. Well, it's also helpful in determining why do I feel so broke? And maybe it might be because you got hit with an emergency and you weren't, you you didn't adequately save for it. That was one of my experiences. Maybe we'll talk about that in the lightning round. Mm. On to the next one of high interest debt could be a contributing factor to feeling as though you don't actually earn what you actually earn. And so high interest debt, these are going to be things like your credit card debt or any personal loans that you may have. This could be for some of us auto loans, this high interest debt that we can't seem to get out from under. We keep making payments, but it's hardly going to the principal. And maybe even they are high payments. You might be paying a lot every month towards this debt. And certainly that's going to make it feel as though our take-home pay is getting really eaten up when we allow this debt to linger. Of course, one of the solutions there is going to be making a game plan of getting rid of that high interest debt as soon as possible. Much sooner, you should be prioritizing this over your lower interest debt. But that will make a significant difference in how you are feeling about your financial landscape. Yeah. It's never a good idea to keep credit card debt on a credit card. It does not build your credit. You build credit just as fast by paying your cards off every month. Uh, And it costs you so much money. It's not worth it. If you have an emergency fund, then there's no reason to have a rolling balance on a credit card. In theory, if you're making six figures, then this is who we're talking to. But yeah, definitely keep high interest debt at bay. And I would even, yeah, I would lump car loans into this at this point because car loans have gotten much more expensive. They're not high as high of interest as credit cards, but you can be car poor just as you are house poor. Uh, it is, it's much easier to become car poor at this point because cars are much more expensive than, (laughs) or much more affordable than houses. Uh, So be careful of what car you get. We are not advocating for buying jalopies and ending up in your mechanic's family because you see them so much. That's not what we're advocating for. We are not against auto loans. We are against auto loans encouraging, the availability of auto loans encouraging you to take out larger loans that make you car poor. But like a G-Wagon for tax reasons totally makes sense. Right. If you see us ever getting G-Wagons. <laughs> you know why. You know it. It's a financial you know decision. It's a frugal move. Yeah. Right after I get rid of my minivan, for sure, <laughs> next car is a G-Wagon for tax purposes. For tax purposes. 
No, but seriously, I think... So when I got my minivan, we talked about this on the show, that I I saved $4,000 by simply making one decision, like to go to a different dealership to get the same van. And it's... I had this like sunk cost fallacy that I had spent so much time with this salesperson and I felt bad for wasting all his time just to get up and leave. But ultimately I had to take care of me first and I got up and I left and I went to the other dealership and I saved that one decision saved me $4,000, which over the life of a car loan is nothing. But when you think of it in totality, like if I have the option to save, to, to make one drive and save $4 on a carton of eggs, because that's how much they are now, or $4,000. I'm going to take the $4,000 decision, right? So this is the way you can think about buying decisions when we're thinking about high interest debt or, or debt in general is, yeah, you may need to take out a loan. You may need to put something on a credit card, but don't let that credit card debt roll over and don't take out all the money just because they say you can. Mm. So the next one is massive student loan payments. And we don't have to like reiterate this. We all know that we're suffering because we have massive student loan payments. But I think we'll just say, make a plan to pay them off. (laughs) And they are not as high of a priority as your high interest debt or probably even your car loan. So... Yeah. That's, but they are, they do tend to be an emotional burden and can limit your spending opportunities. I do think that there's value in identifying why do I feel this way? Here's what I make. And yet, why does it not feel like enough? Not to mm-hmm. stop there, but I do think we need to start there of, well, what are the contributing factors? And then con- continue on to say, well, what do we do about it? This article wraps up where our next article begins, though. And I do like like some of the example that they give just about how much mindset does intersect with this idea that there are certainly circumstances very real that can make us feel like we don't have much but there's also so much that is imagined here where our own thinking patterns ways of relating ways of viewing the world expectations have a lot to do with how we're feeling even beyond our circumstances they give an example of say there's two people who make the same amount of money and live very similar lifestyles, but one has a ton of debt and is living paycheck to paycheck and the other doesn't. They look very similar, but internally, the stress that they're under, what they're dealing with, the way that they are experiencing their circumstances is dramatically different. One, they are living frugally by choice and the other, they are living frugally because it's like mandatory for them because Mm -hmm. of how much much debt that they have. And so this just kind of drives home this point that in part, being broke can be a mindset if you are making, you know, the six figures and beyond. We're not talking about true poverty level, but it's also reliant on other factors like your overall spending choices and how you control your budget. So I really like that wrap up to this article because I think it's a helpful challenge to us to, yep, Let's look at why is this happening, but also what are the other factors of my personhood that are playing into me feeling this way? And how do I take control over how I'm feeling about my circumstances and just the reality of my circumstances? AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. 
Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. So this next article I really like comes from Cachet, and it is five ways to repair a broke money mindset. I like that play on words, like you Mm -hmm. feel broke, but it's also a broken mindset. What do you think, Jen? Yeah, I like this in the context that like I I hate like the, all the, the woo woo stuff like affirmations <laughs> and this and manifesting. Mm-hmm. I that's not my thing. And so sometimes money mindset can get into that sphere, but these these five tips are are really the mindset shifts you need to make in order to say no to decisions that will inflate your lifestyle, will inflate your expenses. Uh, So I really liked these in that sense is that they are applicable. Like when you go in to make a decision, you can use these to say no. So like the first one, first way to repair a broke money mindset, appreciation and gratitude. So yes, you can uh, you know keep a gratitude journal. We love that. Practice gratitude um, and appreciation for the people and things in your life. Yes, the article does say that. But practically, I know that after about three to four years of owning my car, I have learned every single thing about it that annoys me. And that's when I start getting this itch to go get a new car. But instead of doing that, I try to think of a few things that I appreciate or I'm grateful for in having what I have. Now, this isn't the same as like my last car actually was dangerous to drive and I had to get a new one. But if it hadn't (laughs) been dangerous, like there were a bunch of other things like the radio didn't work and all this other stuff that was actually livable. And so thinking of things like appreciation, gratitude to say, okay, I don't actually need a new car right now. I can keep this one for another two to three years. Stuff like that. Or when you're thinking, oh, this house, I need a bigger house. There's like we're, you know three people busting out of this house, then like appreciation and gratitude for the things that you have and for the things that you can get rid of to make more space in your house so you don't have to buy something bigger or just so many ways you can bring this in to prolong these deci- um, the inevitability of these decisions. Like, yes, you probably will get a new house. Yes, you probably will get a new car. But you can push that off and take full utilization of the things you already own to get the full value of them through appreciation and gratitude. I do think gratitude is the great reset whenever feeling displeased or... Yeah, discontent. I Mm -hmm. I think that this is such an antidote. It may not solve all of the problems, but I think it's a perspective giver, which can really help like realign our thoughts and actions and attitudes. So I, I really do love this one. Number two is create your life. I think that's the subtitle, create your own life. Now, a lot of the wording in this one, I disagree with some of the perspective. I think it lacks the full picture, so I'm not going to read much of it. But what I do agree with in this concept of creating your own life is taking ownership, recognizing that there are some circumstances outside of our control and some circumstances within our control. Maybe a combination, most likely a combination has led us to where we currently are, but focusing the majority of our attention on 
what's ours? What do we actually have control or influence over? And how can we steer our efforts, our capacities towards that, maybe rather than expending unnecessary energy on the things that are outside of our control or influence that kind of keeps us stuck, that doesn't allow any sort of forward movement, that maybe keeps us in this state of discontent, but rather, okay, but this is ultimately my life to choose what's next. Maybe there's things that happened to me that I can't take back or didn't have any control over, but where can I go from here and how can I choose to author the components of which I actually have the ability to author and write in my own narrative here? Yeah, I I like this. It sounds very affirmation-y. But I don't like it for that. I like it in the shift of mindset, taking like goals from I want to pay off $5,000 of debt this year. That's a very arbitrary goal, right? Instead of just saying like arbitrary goals, almost reverse engineering it or, or maybe not even reverse engineering it, but like making goals that you can control that you can control the outcome of. So like if you may not be able to control how much money you you put towards your debt this year because things will come up, but you can control your actions. So I you know, I want to put 500 minutes towards my side hustle of delivering for postmates and I want to put 100% of that profit towards my debt. It's not monetary, but you have 100% control over what you are doing. You're clocking this many minutes and you're putting 100% towards your debt. Ultimately, you don't have control over how much you know people are tipping you, how many jobs you're going to get like every time. So you don't have control over there, but you do have control over how many minutes you are working that. So it's just this shift of like, instead of creating these arbitrary goals for your life, creating goals that you are the master of. Like at the this quote at the end from the er, William Ernest, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Mm. It sounds so extreme. So powerful. So, But you're the master of, of some things, not everything. So just only master and captain the things that you know you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Next is to focus on opportunities. And that kind of runs with the last one is when you are focusing on the things that you actually have control of, only then will you be able to see opportunities. If you are like just letting life happen to you, you miss opportunities for growth or for like more monetization. Uh, So I know... My husband, Travis, recently got a new job because he has been looking for one. And he, a lot of the times, doesn't, like, jobs come to him, but he wouldn't see them as that. Like, he only sees them come to him because he's looking. I don't know if that makes sense. He sees the opportunities because his eyes are open to them. So focus on the things that you have control over. And when you are focused on that and you're seeing the progress, then your peripherals are going to be able to see opportunities for other ways to make money or to save money. Uh, And yeah, I like that focus on the opportunities. Mm -hmm. Another thing, the next one that they are highlighting to focus on is long-term goals. Now, this one can be a tricky one because I don't think we can always have a long-term goal top of mind. I don't think it's where the majority of us live day in, day out. We have to get tasks done and do our work. But in these times of feeling broke or identifying maybe this broke money mindset, it could be related to being short-sighted or only looking at short-term things. They reference how a lot of times people with a broke money mindset or scarcity mindset are more concerned with looking wealthy or rich or like having achieved a certain status 
status rather than actually having achieved that thing. And this can eat into what is available to us both in the long term and the short term. So this is where it can come back to what is the lifestyle that we want to be creating? And are there elements to, I might feel a pinch right now, but it's because of these longer term things that I have set up. It's because I am investing in my retirement. It's because I've chosen XYZ for myself. So reminding ourselves of these things can be a helpful mindset trick. I don't think, again, that we can always be thinking about the future in a really long-term way, but this could be helpful in shifting the way that we might be feeling in the moment when we can put it into perspective and identify what are what is it that we're actually working towards. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is my absolute favorite one on the list. It is to surround yourself with positive people. And maybe not even positive, but just people who inspire and motivate you to be more of who you want to be. So, I mean, that's like Jill and I's relationship to a T. We initially bonded over our love of being frugal, essentially. And we have made each other want to be more frugal ever since, but in a healthy way. Uh, And so it's those relationships and having more of those relationships that help me keep my lifestyle inflation in check. It helps me be grateful for the house and the car and the people like in my life. The relationships you have are going to have such an impact on all of the other things we've talked about today. So if you are surrounding yourself with people who are living paycheck to paycheck, who are the Joneses you're trying to keep up with, are TikTok influencers like or buying everything that TikTok tells them to, you turn into that person even when you don't want to, just little by little. So intentionally find people who are acting the way you want to act, spending the way you want to spend, and spend more time with those people. Do you know who I love to surround myself with? I do it every week, and it has become this chorus of voices, these chorus of Bill of the the Week. That's right. It's time for the best minute of your entire week. Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, Buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the Bill of the Week. Hi, Jen and Jill. My name is Alyssa, and my Bill of the Week is my rent bill. I was listening last summer, and I heard you say that you don't have to accept your rent for just what it is. You can be creative and change that. So my husband and I actually decided to move 3,000 miles away to a new state to escape the crazy high cost of living that we were in and follow our values more. And we started tracking our expenses and starting to save for a crisis emergency fund. And now we're realizing that maybe we had underestimated and overestimated certain categories because we weren't tracking it. And now uh, we're going to fix all that and make sure that all the categories are right. And then I think we'll have some leftover and I want to challenge ourselves to use that leftover money to put towards our car payment to get that kind of uh, taken off because I thought debt payoff was way out of our scope. So thank you so much. Um, And I enjoy listening and I'll enjoy listening in the future. So thank you. Oh my gosh, Alyssa. That, I mean, you pretty much just, you were the example for this entire episode. (laughs) We couldn't have asked for anything better. (laughs) We could not have asked for a better bill of the week for this episode. And that's because you literally took ourselves with people like you, Alyssa. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's people are doing it, people are taking their expenses down to 
give themselves a better life. And you can too. I hope that you're hearing this and you're encouraged to just change things up a little bit and let it snowball. See where the snowball goes. Oh, <laughs> congrats, Alyssa. I mean, the snowball is usually going to like go down the hill. But in this case, that's a good thing. Well yeah. done, Alyssa. How amazing. Whenever we talk about uh, consider moving, it always sounds so extreme <laughs> and not everybody has to do it. But how amazing to hear your story of having done it and what you are experiencing as a result. Good luck paying down that car loan. You've got mm. this. You've got this in the bag. And if others of you listening want to be a chorus of bills surrounding us, whether figurative bill or literal bill, and you're just doing it and you've got some inspo for other people, visit frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill. Leave us your bill. It can be as vague as you want it to be. This is how we surround ourselves with positivity and good influence. Mm. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. And now it's time for Lightning Round. Maybe if I make Mm. more noises, I won't have to get vulnerable. Mm, That's too bad. Because it's going to come. So today's lightning round question is, what do you do when you get the feeling of being broke? Go for it, Jen. So I actually have, so I want to get vulnerable and say one example from me. But I also want to tell a story of a listener who shall rename, re- remain anonymous. So, but I'll do that after you you give yours. So mine, when I'm feeling broke, is I budget. I will make a budget. So I actually do not make a spending plan every month because I'm pretty in tune with my spending. I've spent years and years like getting handle on my spending, increasing my income, and I am not the lover of spreadsheets and numbers and all that. That's Jill. Jill loves that. She does that. I do love the spreadsheets. I do not. Makes I do me not. feel protected. Yeah. So here is some freedom and like grace. Like if that's not you, it doesn't have to be. Like at the beginning, you're going to have to be spreadsheet girl. You have to be at the beginning. Uh, but once you master or not master, but like once you get control of yourself that sounds horrible <laughs> once you once you feel in control get and you crap. are where you want to be <laughs> then you don't have to be spreadsheet girl anymore if you don't want to be uh so that's not me and i don't do it but when i feel anxiety about being broke that's when I head back in and I make the plan and I see what the spending is telling me. And 
most of the time, the feeling of being broke is a feeling and not a math. Mm. (laughs) So that's me. But yes, that is my biggest thing that I do when I feel like uh, I might be broke, which is something that's happening right now. It's very, that's a, it's a very pertinent question mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Goldie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I can talk about that later. That, that job Travis took is so amazing. And send you back to the spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's what we talk about. It's this what we chose into. Based. Yes, you get that financial freedom, and then mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to leave a toxic work environment for a much better work environment, even though it is a pay cut. Yeah, and that is a yeah. decision that and, we just recently made. And there's still emotions that go along with mm-hmm. that. So I think normalizing oh, yeah. that is great. It doesn't mean then that the decisions we make all feel so incredibly lovely. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's the reality of it is there too. I I do like that though. I think sometimes there is action we can put to our anxieties that helps to alleviate it. You were able to identify, here's where the anxiety is coming from. Here's something that I can do to take back power and control. And and hopefully it worked. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so for me, I am very similar. I definitely do need to put action to it. If I am feeling broke, it will probably lead me to look at the realities of it. I want to see it. I want to know what the numbers are and identify maybe potentially the problem too so that I could respond. So in that process, one of the things that I will do is try to identify the source of that feeling of feeling broke. So is it a circumstance or is it really just kind of my mindset? What came before this feeling of being broke? And that's going to then inform what my response is going to be. So if it's a circumstance, so here you go, a vulnerable example for me, I have felt felt broke. Now I've known the reality of not having a lot of money. Now Eric and I combined do earn six figures, low six figures. But there are times where I feel like where I don't have a bunch and Some of that more recently is related to, yes, I had an emergency savings, but I realized very quickly that that didn't totally feel like enough for what we faced. So we got hit with an unexpected tax bill back to back with some medical expenses and two at the same time really wiped out a good portion of our emergency fund, which led me to feeling broke. We could still cover our expenses, so there's still a lot of gratitude there. But I think in that situation, it was a circumstance that led me to feel that way. So then making a plan for how do I build this emergency fund back up? Where can I cut in some of my other discretionary spending so that I can feel better about where this cushion is again? And then... As as opposed to if it's just a mindset, like, I don't know, I was just scrolling the internet and everybody's making it look like everybody's super wealthy all of a sudden. Okay, it's just my mindset. Then that my response to that might just be that gratitude piece of, okay, but what do I have and how can I create some separation between me and like what's being sold to me? That might then be my response. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, I will share one last story from a from a listener who sent me an email once. And I I will apologize to this listener in advance because I don't think I responded to it because it was such a it really had me thinking. This was a while ago, um, but I think it's relevant for this particular topic. She was emailing me very asking for help because her family was in a lot of debt. But her like and and she just needed to know what to do, like to pay it off, like where to start. And she said her daughter rides horses. She's into equestrian, which if you're unfamiliar, it is a very expensive. I mean, I'm unfamiliar. I know it's expensive. It's just an expensive. It's like the most expensive sport you could put your child in. And so like I read it and initially I was just like, I 
can't answer this because you already know what the answer is. You've got to stop with the horses. But that, but it, I thought about it and it's easy for somebody on the outside to judge somebody else that they don't know who's behind a computer screen, who's genuinely asking for help and, and genuinely is at a conflict. Like she has built up her, she's had a pretty stable income. It had to have been pretty good to get started with horses. So making good money, but because of lifestyle inflation and and whatever else is compounding, like the first article, you know, all the elements from the first article we talked about has gotten to this place where she has nothing to show for it. And not even that has probably negative to show for it because she's trying to pay off debt. And realizing like she's put her child in one of the most expensive sports there is. And at this like dilemma of like, I can't deprive my child of what I've already given her. And I don't know where to go from here to make it better. And like that just filled me with so much despair. Like I and I did not I didn't respond to the email like it just it caught me for so long. And then I just forgot. And I don't know, years later, I thought about it. But I don't want that struggle for any of you listening. And like, maybe it's not horses, it's whatever. But I don't want that internal struggle for you that you have put your children and your family into this position to where in order to bring your family up, you'd have to take away something from somebody else. And sometimes that's going to have to be what it is. But if it doesn't have to be, think about the things we've talked about today and don't let it get to that place. Yeah. Well, that is weighty because, you know, we we don't want deprivation for anybody, mm-hmm. uh, not deprivation for deprivation's sake. Sometimes there are sacrifices that need to be made depending on our financial situation. But you're right. You're identifying like choosing deprivation for somebody else that we love mm-hmm. That's a really, really rough place to be. Yeah. And and maybe there's some other maneuvers that could happen in those circumstances. And I think the ultimate goal would be the why of how do we then get, get back to this place? How could we make some changes where this could be something that is affordable for us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. I hope that this was encouraging to you. If it was, we would love for you to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts uh, like this one from Zia Amazon that says, great hosts and great discussions. I enjoy listening to the hosts. Their conversations are very fun to listen to, and they share very fun and practical tips that I can use. Their conversations with the guests are very insightful. And I get a lot of perspective when it comes to financial insights. So thank you, Zia. And if you didn't like it, leave us a rating and review on Goodreads. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, you can leave us a, a rating and review. We, of course, love the ones who are really enjoying this to help others who might enjoy it find us. Um, and you can do that wherever you're listening to podcasts. And also sign up for our newsletter because that's another great way to get even more tips yes. beyond what we talk about in this podcast. FrugalFriendsPodcast.com slash friends. Letter. See you next time. Frugal Friends is produced by Eric Siriani. Oh, yeah, this one. One mindset, expectations. Mm -hmm. It did have me thinking about expectations a lot. Like, what do I think I'm going to get out of this life? What did I? Too deep for an after show. I'm sorry. You've done. I know. You can't do that right now. Okay, I'm sorry. What's for dinner? (laughs) (laughs) What are you expecting to eat later? I don't even know anymore. I don't know what I want from this life for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) I think I have steak thawing. Whoa. I know, right? (laughs) 
I get the I get the big thing of steak that's like twenty bucks, so I can have it twice. Nice. Save on steak. <laughs> Don't beef it up. <laughs> Out. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 